Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. What do you have that God hasn't given you? Let me just ask you that question tonight. What do you have? that God hasn't given you. And if everything you have is a gift from God, why boast as though it were not a gift? So I just started writing a few things. We could be the whole night just all stand and start thinking of the things God's given us, couldn't we? We could go around this room and around this room and around this room. God's a generous God, isn't he? I mean, we sang he's a good God, didn't we? Right at the end. The world system tells you that everything you have is because your skill, ability, and tenacity enabled you to acquire it. And it's tempting to believe that, isn't it? The Bible, though, begs to differ. God declares that everything you possess, including your skills and personality, were created by and belong to Him. Pastor Mark will be teaching about this issue of ownership and how your view of it affects how you deal with people. Nabal believed that all he had, he'd gotten because of his skill. He'll learn that he was incorrect. Unfortunately, this lesson will arrive too late for him. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in 1 Samuel chapter 25 as he continues his series, The Life of David. Now, Nabal is best known here for his riches and possessions, but he's also not respected, you're going to see this as we go through, by his wife and by his employees. Why? Because he lacks character. He is going to be harsh and rude and cruel and carnal and arrogant. Now, think about this. Living without God, what else would we expect? He doesn't have any kind of a role model. Now, if you want to write in your little column there, you can just say the counter to this man or the New Testament of this man is found in the book of Luke. The rich man that has barns full, what's he do? He goes out and makes more barns. He's going to fill more and more and more. So that's kind of the New Testament picture of Nabal here in the Old Testament. Now, it was harvest time as far as sheep. All those sheep, and you've seen them, they got all that wool and they can't hardly walk and they do fall over, they're dead, whatever. And so it's time to shear them. Notice verse 4. While David was in the desert, he heard that Nabal was shearing the sheep. So this would be a great time. It was actually a celebration time because big bucks are coming. All this wool is coming off. So Nabal is now bringing those animals in so the protection doesn't need to be there anymore. They're coming in, and so some money's going to happen. And watch what happens in verse 5. So he sent ten young men and said to them, Now go up to Nabal at Carmel 
and greet him. Here's the key. Here's the key as we go through. Don't forget. Greet him in my name. So it's really David talking to Nabal. And say to him, long life to you. Good health to you and your household. And good health to all that is yours. Now I hear that it's sheep shearing time. When your shepherds were with us, we did not mistreat them. And the whole time they were at Carmel, nothing of theirs was missing. So what is David doing? He's doing something that was normal in those times. It was common. What happened was basically this. Over a long period of time, since probably the last time some of those sheep had been sheared, but especially maybe when they moved into this area, we don't know the timing of it. They had watched over. Now, remember, he has 600 men. So he's got a lot of men. They had watched over Nabal's sheep. From what? From animals, wolves, bears, all kind of predators. Secondly, they watched over people what? Having a little lamb dinner for Sunday from Nabal's flock. Stealing it, taking it away. So over all those months, which is pretty normal, they had provided security for Nabal. So in those days, again, that was a valuable service. It was normal. And usually at the shearing time, compensation would come. The person would say, man, look at all my sheep. And goes, wow, thanks so much. Okay, I'm going to compensate you for that. So notice, David is really doing everything right. In verse 5 through 7, it's positive. Good buddy, friends. Uh, He's reminding them, you know, you have all your sheep. Everything's good. Remember what happened. The Philistines would like to come over and raid all the time. All kinds of things. The grain, the sheep, the whatever. So he says, we've protected your animals. And I'm sending these ten men. And watch what he says in verse 8. And ask your own servants and they will tell you. In other words, your servants were out there. They saw that we did this job. Therefore, be favorable toward my young men. Since we have come at a festive time. Please give your servants and your son David whatever you can find for them. So notice as he begins talking, he's not greedy. He's not demanding. He's just asking for simple remuneration. Something common sense. Now when David's men arrived, they gave Nabal this message. Here it is again. In David's name. And they waited. David's expectation, logical. Here's a man. He doesn't have like two sheep. He's got 3,000 sheep. He's got 1,000 goats. He can spare some. So what he's really asking is for this Nabal to give some supplies and some food and some things for, remember, David has an army of 600 people. Give some. He isn't telling them how much. Come on back. Verse 10. And Nabal answered David's servants. Who is this David? Who is this son of Jesse? Many servants are breaking away from their masters these days. Now watch the words I and my in the next verse. Why should I take my bread and water in the meat I have slaughtered from my shears and give it to men coming from who knows where? Now, this is an unexpected response. David's men turned around and went back. I mean, what are they going to say to the guy? They've just been shut down. 
And when they arrived, I like the way the NIV says, they arrived back home to David. They reported what? Every word. How do you think they said it? This fool over here. And they would have put the whole deal in there. So we see the arrogance of Nabal. By the way, notice what he says in verse 10. Who is this David? Now he lives in Israel. Everybody knows David. They know he's the next king. What do you mean, who's this David? So he's really slamming David. And then the next sentence, it's simply all about me. Now, I thought about that because, remember, Nabal's a fool. He doesn't have anything to do with God. He doesn't understand this principle. Please write it down tonight. You know it. Everything we have is a gift from God. Everything you have tonight is a gift from God. Nabal doesn't believe that. He believes everything he has is because of his wisdom, his ability, his hard work, his stinginess. And I, I was just thinking about that. Now, let me read you 1 Corinthians 4. You don't need to turn there. For what gives you the right to make such a judgment? What do you have that God hasn't given you? Let me just ask you that question tonight. What do you have that God hasn't given you? And if everything you have is a gift from God, why boast as though it were not a gift? So I just started writing a few things. We could be the whole night just all stand and start thinking of the things God's given us, couldn't we? We could go around this room and around this room and around this room. God's a generous God, isn't he? I mean, we sang he's a good God, didn't we? Right at the end. Well, i just begin this one. For those of you that are married tonight, marriage is a gift from God. Some of you go... I know what you're saying. It's a gift from God. He who finds a wife finds a a good thing. Hallelujah. Sexual intimacy is a gift from God. Did you know that? The world's polluted that. Sexual intimacy is a gift from God. Now, if you don't think that's a gift from God, you wouldn't be here. Am I right? There had to be a gleam and a few other things that take place. We'll leave that for another time. Next, children are a gift from God. Amen? Now, notice the Bible doesn't say teenagers are a gift from God, but children. (laughs) Children are a gift from God. (laughs) Our possessions, they're a gift from God. Every good and perfect gift comes from God. For those of you that have an iPad tonight, You have the old one. I waited patiently for the new one. Sorry. Eventually, I'll have the new one. Of course, the day I buy it, there'll be another one coming shortly, too. But you know all of our gifts tonight. Everything we have is what? A gift. A gift from God. Salvation is a gift from God. You can't earn it. It's a gift. Grace is a gift from God. Amazing grace. And by the way, the the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the spiritual life, it's an amazing gift from God. Nabal, he doesn't get it. It's all about I, 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 I. So now let's just think about this. We know David. You know his character. Gentle guy. Great warrior. What would you expect 
without reading, those of you that don't know, what would you expect David to do? Well, what we're going to see is something totally out of character for David. But it's, it's a great teaching for all of us. So take a look at verse 13. And David said to his men, put on your swords and turn off For those of you watching, that was just one of our new gifts from God. It's called a cell phone. (laughs) David said to his men, put on your swords. So they put on their swords, and David put on his. Now, what would that sound like? 400 swords. About 400 men went up with David. Well, 200 stayed with the supplies. What had happened? Nabal's answer touched a nerve within David. It wasn't about the rejection of the food. It was David's pride that was affected. It wasn't even the answer, no. Who is this David? What do you mean you don't know me? David's the one asking. No, I ask you nicely. So, Nabal, of course, didn't realize it, but he pushed one of David's buttons. I want you to see this picture and ask you a question tonight. (laughs) How should we react when someone pushes our button? By the way, if you're married tonight, you know the buttons to push for the reaction that you're looking for. Could I hear an amen? Amen. Yes. Not necessarily the right buttons to push, but you know the words to say, the looks to do, all the rest. The longer you're married, the more we know that. But how should we react when that button of ours, that prideful button of ours is pushed? To be honest, a day rarely goes by in our lives when we don't feel sometimes a little anger. If you drive on our roads, need I say anything else? It's kind of there. As you were coming, I was coming from a couple appointments early tonight for counseling. You get down here, and the lane's down to one. Of course, the traffic's backed up till Jesus comes down here in some road. (laughs) And how do you feel? People moving in and out. Buttons are being pushed all over the place. And we're coming to church. (laughs) Well, that's the way it is. A common emotion that we have is a feeling that, well, someone's against us. Someone doesn't honor us. They don't respect us. And you're going to see that this anger is going to be a huge problem in David's life. You might know this. I've taught this before. But anger is only one letter away Uh, from danger. Anger is only one letter away from danger. Now, it would be nice if I could say to all of us, now there's like seven of you that have problems with anger, the rest of us are fine. But that isn't true. All of us struggle because of anger in different forms. Now, anger, if not controlled, can be pretty 
explosive. And we do things that we would never imagine. David is about to do something that he would have regretted his whole life. He isn't thinking it through. He's just, the the button has been pushed. People are making fun of him. This Nabal has pushed his button and he's going to take care of it. Proverbs 29, 22 says, An angry man stirs up dissension, and a hot-tempered one commits many sins. That anger, you know it, I know it, we've all been there, can suddenly explode out of control. And we drive crazy. We walk out of the house and walk out of the boss's office. And there are the million ways you and I, the longer we live, the more we know some of those embarrassing things that we've done. What happens is... uh, Anger can lead to not just you and I going off and blowing off steam, but violence and words that we regret we said, unjust criticism, unforgiveness. And every day, actually, if you open the newspaper, what do we see? All kinds of crimes. From where? The bottom core? It's back to anger. These people have been abused or whatever. And anger, if not controlled, if not controlled, will always lead to increasing problems in our life. Now, we have to make sure when we're talking about anger, righteous anger is not dangerous or sinful. Righteous anger is biblical. It's okay. Jesus had righteous anger. When he entered the temple, remember? And they were stealing and abusing the people with offerings. He just turned the tables upside down. Righteous anger is okay. Ephesians 4.26 says, In your anger... Do not sin. So the Bible doesn't call all anger sinful. Righteous anger is not sinful. God is seen throughout the scripture sometimes angry with his enemies, even with his own people because they've rebelled and they're not holy and just. So I can be angry and not sin if it's expressed as something Satan is doing in a person's life or when someone is wrong or when God's honor is at stake. We can be angry at that. Not the person, but the sin. So unrighteous anger is what Jesus talks about. The anger of pride, vanity, ego, hatred, malice, and revenge. That's unrighteous. But righteous anger is when people make fun of God. Or we see people who are struggling in their life. And we know Satan's behind it. You just get angry at it. God, what do you do? Come on, God, take care of the enemy here. I'm angry at that happening in that person's life. Now, I think it's important you write this down. Anger is only a symptom. It's often rooted in three or four things. Fear, fatigue, frustration, and the last one is the big one, pride. Now, you and I know what it means with fatigue and frustration. We just got more on our plate than we can handle. We're walking through all this stuff and producing. We just lose it. And it doesn't have anything to do with the person. It doesn't have anything to do with the pride. We're just there. Family members speak in a wrong tone of voice. We just had a bad day at work. Woof. Boom. It's not prideful. It's just fatigue and frustration. It's displayed in so many ways. As I said, traffic, the bills pile up. There's little hope. All kind of things happen. But anger is really one thing. It's the loss of self-control. And often, because our pride is hurt. People don't listen to us. They don't pay attention to us. So let me ask you a question. How can David, 
respond like this. When he cut off just a corner of Saul's robe, and he went back, and his sensitive spirit said, what is wrong with you? And he repented that he did that. How can this same man now get 400 soldiers? And by the way, he's not going just to kill Nabal. He's going to kill the whole kit and caboodle of them. They're all going to die. It's going to be a bloodbath. How can that be? And this is a huge reminder to me and to you. Next thing we want to write is this. Our old sin nature can rise up at any time and strike us. I wish that wasn't true. I wish I could say to you, you know, I've been serving God for a lot of years. I don't really have that problem anymore. That old sin nature isn't even an issue with me. I wish I could say that. It's not true. And that's why you and I have to be very careful that we don't get prideful And say, well, Pastor Mark, that might be true for most people here, but it's not true for me. Look out. Because there's a problem coming. Remember Peter? Peter was the bold one on that night, the Last Supper. What did Peter say? Everybody else can leave. Not me. What happened? Boom. Why? Because he didn't realize that old sin nature could come up again. Some would have said, David is justifying his anger. What was he saying? That man is not going to get away with what he's done to me. His pride. His pride. Now, turn with me to Matthew 26. When I talk about that old sin nature, what am I talking about? Some would have said it like this. That old sin nature is discovered in first and second Fleshalonians. <laughs> it's my old flesh, isn't it? Now, in Matthew 26, notice verse 41. Jesus speaking. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. Here's the key. The spirit is willing but the body or the flesh is weak. Temptation, an enticement to sin from inward desires or outward circumstances. So what was the temptation that got David? What's the temptation that gets you and me? Here it is. It involves a conflict, an ongoing conflict, between our spirit and our body. I want to share as we, over the next few minutes, close how we can defeat that anger and be alert to the temptation. Be alert to the temptations that are going to be there. Today, Pastor Mark introduced you to a man named Nabal. His most defining characteristic seems to be his ungodliness. His name means fool. He certainly appears to have been one. His dealings with everyone is a warning on how not to behave. He certainly riled David up and caused David to behave in an uncharacteristic and foolish manner. 
There's so much to learn from Pastor Mark's current series, so be sure to join us again. In the meantime, we'd like to offer you a CD copy of today's message for your own archives or for you to share with friends and family. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on Order a Message at the top of the page. There you'll be asked for the mailing information and be sure to include today's date. Each CD costs $5 to cover materials and shipping. Again, to order your CD copy, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com. That ends today's message. Next time, Pastor Mark will continue this episode in David's life. You'll find out how David responds to Nabal's insult. You'll hear more about what defines a foolish person according to the Bible. David's anger will also be addressed. You'll learn how the scriptures say you should respond to situations and people that tempt you to become angry. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through this series, The Life of David. That's next time on Lessons for Living. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.